Welcome to the Millennial Soul Food Podcast. I'm your host, Keon. And on today's show, episode 9, it's a reunion show with Juju from A Little Juju Podcast. Enjoy. What's up, what's up? It's your girl, Keyonce, um, spiritual life and business coach, tarot reader, spiritualist, cosmonaut based in New Orleans. Uh, before we get started with the show, I just wanted to make a quick announcement. So um, I'm starting a new segment on the podcast called Hashtag Capricorn Advice. And basically, this is a way that listeners can write in with any kinds of questions um, about spirituality, um, if they're looking for any advice on any kind of life transition. Um, this is a great way to get some free advice on the show. And so for hashtag Capricorn advice, I will be choosing um, whatever question i'll be choosing something that someone wrote wrote in and i will pull a few cards um pertaining to that question or advice from the seeker and then i'm just going to do a little kiki about it so if you have anything that you're going through right now or any kind of questions you have about spirituality anything like that just write into capricorn advice um so you can find hashtag capricorn advice on my Instagram, just go to the link in my bio, or you can go straight to my website, um, which is https colon slash slash millennial soul food m i l l e n n i a l s o u l f o o d dot wix site w i x s i t e dot com slash m s f eight eight eight, and there's a direct link to that on my Instagram. So, yes, without further ado, I'm going to get into this show with Juju Bay. Um, this, uh, the reason I'm calling it a reunion show is because I actually met Juju Bay um, in Chicago some years ago while we were out. But um, we didn't really meet meet until she scheduled a reading with me, which happened to be the first month that she started the Little Juju podcast. So I'm saying this is a reunion, reunion show because we really met each other at a particular crossroads. I was getting ready to move down here to New Orleans um, like a month later after that reading. And then she, less than a year later, moved um, to Baltimore. And so I think it was a really interesting time. And she also had me on her podcast when she was just first starting out on episode seven. And I'm grateful for that podcast because it's helped me connect with so many amazing people. Shout out to all y'all that I met through it. Um, it's since gotten almost 8,000 plays and um, I'm just forever like grateful for her for doing the work and just kind of like, I don't know, listening to her ancestors, period. Um, so this show was really great because it gave us an opportunity to kind of reflect on that. And then I found out some new information I didn't even know about um, the reading that we did. So yeah, it was just a really great way to sit down and just reflect. This is just a whole kiki 
We cover a variety of topics, and I think you're really going to enjoy the show. So sit back, you know, get you a little drink, you know, get you a little something, something, and enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. excited to be interviewing you today me too yes i love the crossover episodes come on now oh. <laughs> <laughs> crossovers you know you know I'm, I'm, I'm doing it out here so i didn't really want to do an episode where i'm just like asking you like how do you do a spell um, but I kind of want this to be a little, like, a reflection kind of episode, because mm-hmm. I think I met you at a very interesting point, because mm-hmm. I moved to New Orleans, like, you know, a, a month later. I actually yep. just looked at the date of your appointment, and it was November 16th, 2018. Wow. Um, I think it was somewhere around there. So, November um, 16th, 2018? Yeah. Wow. That's the month that started my podcast. I know! And also, I want to just talk about that reading, because I don't think I really talked to you afterwards, but I was like, I went home and took a nap afterwards, (laughs) so it's like... Uh, Right. (laughs) Right. And you dragged me. Okay, yeah, let's just get into it later. (laughs) But it was like, oh, shit, she's about to change her, like, get it together, bitch. Your answers were like, tell her to change her ways. I was like, I'm sorry, but they're like really mad right now, and I'm just like, you know, I just need a cigarette. Give me this bottle. Yep. yep. So then I, I also uh, I wanted to talk about Chicago because I feel like I the first time I saw you was when I was drunk on the dance floor at Party Noir, but I don't know. Did we talk? That we met. We did. Talk. I think we I twerked on you, and then yeah, we were like. Uh-huh. But that was when I was still in these streets. See, you know, I hadn't really gotten saved right. and sanctified. And, you know, I didn't, I wasn't doing tarot or anything at that point. So, right. That's yep. all about that. Okay. And then the other stuff is like, I want to talk about some psychedelics. You're the playing mm-hmm. cards, cardomancy, mm-hmm. um, some sex magic, and mm-hmm. then um, just some advice you have. Uh, oh my god. Alright, so let's get started with the show. We have Sam, aka, well I know you as Sam, but uh, aka Juju Bay. How are you doing today? Hey, hey boo. Hey! Wonderful. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. How are you? I am good. You know, it's getting really hot here in New Orleans. Like, you know, summertime starts in uh, mm. March. It's humid out. It's hard to breathe. So I'm just staying inside. <laughs> we don't want you out if it's hard to breathe, honey. Well, I only go out. out when the dew is fresh on the grass. Yes, dew. That's the only it's time I go out. <laughs> oh, huh. oh, my God. So what have you been up to? What's going on with you these days? Honey, everything and nothing. I mean, we're in such a weird time in general. Um, and just, I've always obviously worked, well, not obviously, but, you know, working from home, but everything just feels a little bit different. And like my work is kind of shifting. So I was doing readings full time and also doing uh, Reiki 
and then producing my own podcast. Oh my god, I'm tired. Media content stuff. I feel like I'm transitioning a little bit from sort of the healing work that I was doing to actually wanting to really put a lot of my energy into and my spiritual work into like media mm-hmm. into just like providing resources for people instead of necessarily being the actual healer person but mm-hmm. like hopefully connecting people to other sources of wisdom to other healers to other workers like something like that so that's kind of what I've been up to I'm just thinking through how I want to do that Oh my God, can yeah. I tell you a little bit? I, this was supposed to be, we were supposed to talk about this, I guess, later in the show, but we can go ahead and talk about it. I feel like this is a very, like, cyber witch phenomenon. Like, media is a way that you can, like, use language to sort of, like, rewire people's brains. So it's kind of like, you know, I'm always thinking about Octavia Butler, sci-fi shit, but it's kind of like, language is a way that you, like, reach people's consciousness and then it can like create a whole new connection in their brain Mm -hmm. you know so i think that because i mean i since maybe my since my grandmother passed back in october that's when i decided i was like i need to take a break because and i do readings here and there but i don't think i think it's like it's not a sustainable practice as far as it's like reading full time because then it's like they were like, read me, read me, read me. And it's like, no, I don't want to fucking read you. Please go. That's whenever you've done it too much. You know what I mean? It's, so it's a lot. <laughs> Reading is hard. And being a full-time reader, which I was for a year, I'm good. Like I'm A year? Oh, my God. On that and and i share and so much energy to people who can continue you know reading and it is sustainable for them and it works i am not one of those people can you imagine ancestors who did that like for years i'm like mm-hmm. it's so much it takes so much so you know just having to shift a little bit from that um i think the media aspect of this work is important and there's so many wonderful readers out there but i know a lot of us have been taking breaks recently so it's just it's just time to recharge Mm -hmm. uh, in general i think that feels like the energy yeah that makes total sense oh my god um so let's kind of like i guess like talk a little bit about um your upbringing and stuff what what were you you were catholic and you grew up in baltimore Mm mhm yep um grew up baltimore maryland born and raised um a catholic black girl i feel like the the pockets of black catholics exist in new orleans and baltimore like like a you know large population of yeah folks (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, I, was, I grew up in Catholic school from kindergarten until, you know, graduating high school. And y'all, like, wore uniforms and stuff? And, mm-hmm. Wore uniforms in elementary, middle school. And then for high school, I went to an all-girls Catholic school. So we oh. also wore uniforms. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, I got taught by the nuns. Ah. And, you know, all of that. All I mean, you are a pastor. Catholic school is true. <laughs> you is a oh, reverend. True. Hundia Bosha Shabble Ta. I went to church in class, you know, all of that. We praying the rosary. We had to go apologize to the to the priest during class. Oh, all the things. Oh my God. Yeah. So whenever you were younger, uh, cause I mean, me being I was always interested in like metaphysics stuff, but I was kinda into the taboo when I was younger. What were you what were you like whenever you were younger? And what do you mean? As far as like 
were you what were you into were you kind of like because i know i I think you said you like i guess did more develop your gifts like later but um what were you what were you into were you like into lizzie mcguire or were you into like going to hot topic you know (laughs) (laughs) okay so i actually was a lizzie mcguire girl but i was more of a nickelodeon um child oh you were what about disney so i was more of a nickelodeon girl you and Cartoon Network, and then oh. I came into Disney a little bit later. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I was a Nick girl, but um, yeah, I was. I think I was always interested in the metaphysical. I've always been deeply spiritual, and I was a good quote unquote Catholic. Like I prayed, you know, I did the rosary. Ooh. I, you know, I, I, I loved religion class. Like I've always been, regardless of whatever my religion identity was, I did it all the way. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I did Catholicism all the way, or as good as I could, um, until you know I started to ask questions and feel uncomfortable about the answers or lack of answers <laughs> that I was getting. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I've always sort of been a heavy prayer, you know, praying over my friends when I was younger, sort of, um, laying hands on my friends if they were sick. Like, I remember doing that on the bus. So I've always kind of just been doing little stuff that was like, hmm, that's a little, that's a little witchy. Because you grew up in a pretty urban environment. Right. I did. I did. I mean, I'm from Baltimore, you know, I grew up. Like a Baltimore child. <laughs> yeah, because you were talking about on the bus. I was like, wow, okay, yeah, the city bus made me. But <laughs> oh yeah, well no, yeah, this was like school buses. But, oh okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, that was that was my childhood. I was a little just good little Catholic witchy little girl trying to figure it out, praying saints and things, you know. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. <laughs> and so then, uh, I know you went to Spelman. And then were you still kind of like a little interested in spirituality then or what were you like in college? Yeah, so when I went to college, I feel like my freshman year, I still identified as Christian. Actually, no, I remember I got saved again. What? I went to church over at Morehouse. Or no, was it at Clark? One of the schools with it that's close to Spelman where I went Mm -hmm. um, had church service. I went over there. I got saved, you know, so I walked up to the front of the church and gave my life to Christ again. What kind of church was um, it? I don't even know the denomination. I don't know. But I was just <laughs> moved and I, the spirit was moving me and I was crying. And the was spirit like, is in the church, so. Okay. And I just said, let me say, let me get saved. I don't know what's going on with me. Again. And then, <laughs> I think my sophomore year of college was when I went full atheist. <laughs> like I went, Whoa! I know, the jump. the jump. That's a boomerang. <laughs> Before you took the whole leap. <laughs> because I hadn't been Catholic for a little while. Like, I kind of stopped being Catholic in high school, and I didn't get confirmed, which is, like, the stage of Catholicism where you confirm that you're a Catholic, like, mm-hmm. you know, in, like, eighth grade. I didn't do that. So I was, I was still Christian, but I was like, eh, I'm good on the Catholicism. I'm going to try out, you know, being Baptist. I'm going to try out all these things. And then college, I gave my life to Christ, quote-unquote, again. And then I took a psychology of religion class that completely shattered and actually answered a lot of the questions that I was asking about, you know, Christianity. And it was what? like, you know like, what? Like, what? And I just was like, nope, there's nothing. Um, and that didn't really sit right, right with me either. It did for a while, but mm-hmm. then it was like, uh, this ain't, you know, because I am a deeply spiritual person, so I didn't have anything to 
answer those questions of like, but like, why? What more is there? Mm-hmm. And so then I started to like look into different traditions. I was studying Baha'i religion, which is sort of like all the religions have truth to it, and we can. Find yeah, that's a, they have a temple in Chicago that I went to like kind of regularly. It's beautiful. Yeah, it looks like a alien spaceship. I felt like I was about to fly the fuck away. You know, I kind of went after I had some. <laughs> and girl, I, I saw that shit. I was like, that shit looked like some Terminator type shit. It does. Like it looked like a robot gonna come out. But then I did go to one of their conferences, and it was amazing because they based a, a lot of their religion on the different the different types of philosophies that the like Moses brought Jesus and um yeah it's I didn't mean to interrupt you but it's so cool. So I was Baha'i for a while. Wow, that is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I was just studying everything. I was looking into Hinduism. I was looking into um, being a Jewish child. Mm-hmm. I was looking into Islam, Buddhism. Have you studied everything. Hermetic Kabbalah before? No, I didn't get super into uh, Kabbalah. Oh, okay. Uh, That's kind of one of my main steezes. Oh, true. I feel like in college, college is when I first built an ancestor altar, though. And wow. I didn't have any name for it. I didn't know what I was doing. I just came across it in a book that this person, it was actually Ayon LaVance. Oh, <laughs> not in my house. Not in not my house. In, my house. <laughs> in the book that was like, and yeah, I had an ancestor altar and blah, blah, blah. And this what was on it. And my grandmother always had it. And I was like, oh, I have to build one. And mm-hmm. I just did it based off of that. No, nothing. No, I just built it because Ayala Van Zandt talked about it for like two pages in her book. And, and she's a priestess. She sure is. She sure is. Ayala. I knew about that then. Oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because she was kind of covert with it. And you know, yeah. I'm I'm into celebrity gossip and stuff and behind the scenes stuff about the industry. But mm-hmm. she and Oprah, you know, had kind of had a disagreement. Did you know about that? Yes, but I didn't know all the details, but I do remember that there was a little beef. Yeah, it was there's kind of a disagreement. But oh Ayala, especially I remember this one plane ride. Um, it was after she and Oprah kind of reunited and I listened to her interview and just basically cried for two hours and then I landed in LA and I was like, Whoa, a bitch is healed, yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's me like although i have all this capricorn in my chart i think it's like some other dynamics but i like i'm good at a good cry i know how to play the song at the right stage you know before the build up yes. and then yes. be like all right let me just <laughs> giving water sign energy let's just see it i know but i don't have no water signs except for <laughs> one, one planet which is pluto which didn't even oh. exist until the f- before you know 1960s or whatever right hmm. yeah so it's interesting i'm just kind of an emotional girl but this interview is not about me it's about you <laughs> <laughs> i think that's so interesting though that you went through that period kind of of like atheism because i do feel like it's it's important well it may be a part of the process to kind of create that distance from Christianity so that you can have like like the willpower without feeling guilty to like explore other kinds of religious traditions cuz right. I did similar I grew up southern baptist but the kind where like until I was 14 we couldn't even clap and it was like mm. you know the traditional walk with me lord walk it was a lot of the the like moaning kind of like um hymns yeah. you know I think that's cuz of where I'm from which is like 
basically like 30 minutes from the Mississippi Delta, but a lot of the music was just fucking sad, you know? And then maybe whenever gospel started going a little bit more mainstream, we got a choir and we could, you know, clap when Mary Mary got a little bit popular. But, uh, <laughs> but my, I went from, <laughs> I'm sorry. I like, I need to throw some shade at them in a little bit though. Cause one of them was a trumpeteer. Um, <laughs> if it's all that, 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 so I can name. I don't know what's going on, Mary Mary. I know this isn't about Mary Mary, but just the questionable things over the years when, when celebrities start talking, you just need to keep saying. Oh my god! But yeah, I remember. I so <laughs> I went from like um I went to Methodist and then I went to Kojic. And that's when I stayed with Kojic until, like, I left college. Because I was, like, super into... I, like, spoke in tongues, like, a few times. Mm-hmm. But then I had some kind of bad experiences. I was in the black Kojic church. I was in the white Kojic church. The white pastor. Um, so the piano person... Um, <laughs> that would be funny if he ever listens to this. But I always knew that nigga was gay. Period. He was like this kind of like gay black dude who was super cute and funny. Um, and so he started dating this white woman. Um, and she was like, I'm, I'm not trying to be shady, but she was real homely. You know, she she kind of looked like she was Pentecostal, but white kind. You know, they be growing their hair out. Yeah. Uh, they be looking like that woman, the Christian woman who was shouting at the camera that time. You remember that video? Yes. You're Satan. Yes. No. And so she, she was like, she was very like plain. And then like to see how he was after he got out, after he came out, you know, I was like, dang, you were going through a regression, like for real or something. But she was a sweet person. Uh, I'm so Southern. She Bless her heart. I know you did all that. <laughs> You're honestly a trip. Like. This is how my grandmother threw shade. I like, you know, <laughs> I'm an old Southern black lady. But uh, the pastor, Chan, he's sitting up there speaking in tongues and stuff. And his wife, his girlfriend wanted to get married. And the pastor was like, I don't uh, marry interracial couples. Oh, wow. So after that, I was like, Chan, I can't be here no more. Wow. And then I kind of just stopped going to church. But it's interesting because I think it, I don't know. I think I'm definitely not atheist anymore. But it's, I think it's like, you know, we have to honor all parts of our process. And that's kind of like my reflection a little bit about the atheism stuff. And then if people are atheists, whatever, that's cool. Yeah, I needed my atheism to be who I am now and to get where I am. If I didn't have that moment of like, because I think I may have been the annoying atheist a little bit. Like the, well, none of this shit is real anyway. (laughs) Were you like, I've read the Bible more times than most church people. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was me. And I, I needed that. I needed the direct confrontation of something that I believed in deeply in order to, like, transcend into who I am now, which is where I should be. So, again, honoring all my parts. Shout out to the atheists, you know. Woo-hoo! Gang, gang. So what, what is your, like, moon and um, rising and sun sign? Don't give it all out because, you know, it's some shady hoes. I'm kidding. But um, what's your moon and sun and rising? Uh, my moon is a Scorpio moon, and wow. uh, I'm a Cancer rising and sun. 
Oh, wow. Both of them. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. And the depths. Water. I always admire you because you are like, you're definitely very water sign. Like you, I admire you because you get on online and you just like speak. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm such mm-hmm. a Capricorn. I'd be like, after two minutes, I'm like, y'all, I'm tired. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though. I've been, I've been studying a little bit of sidereal um astrology and basically in in sidereal i'm actually more air i'm an air sign and i would sort of be an idea of a gemini Mm -hmm. so i've also been toying with that i think that's been interesting too to think of myself in that way but that's a whole nother tangent but yeah (laughs) a tangent we can get into because you know i'm actually studying like so a lot of the astrology that people at um know about through instagram and stuff like that is like modern astrology which is like it's a form of like it's like tropical astrology which it's like it that developed more in like the 1960s until today but then there's traditional astrology which is from like thousands of years ago um and so i've been studying that and i think it's interesting and sidereal is um i think in india they might like use that a little bit more but the vedic astrologers like they predict well i wouldn't say predict it but they definitely had a lot of information about how things would be in 2020 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. see i'm not much of an astrology person i leave that to the experts but yeah i mean it's so much good information like finding a good astrologist is like key to me because you can really get some good information um, just from your birth chart and from your birthday. So. Yes. Shout out to the astrology girls doing that work for us. Yes. So um, another thing I wanted to talk to you about is like throughout your um, childhood and college years, what have been some important cultural works that have kind of shaped your wo- worldview as far as spirituality and philosophy and blackness and all that kind of stuff? interesting question well i feel like at spellman you know i loved attending spellman you know one of the best decisions i ever made in my life however i would not say that spellman as a school as an entity is particularly womanist or one that truly centers the experiences of all black women mm, um, but there that's were important in spellman that i was able to get that you know black black womanist black feminist understanding of who i was um as a black woman also figuring out who i was as a i go back and forth with if i identify as queer or not but as, i'll say for lack of a better word as a queer black woman um and you know the women's center as women sort of challenged me in like my misogyny you know in my patriarchy that i carried all the you know my homophobia just all the things that like we're just we just grow up with Mm -hmm. because that's just what society is so in college i think i was confronted with how i felt about myself how i felt about other black women what were some of the stereotypes that i was carrying about black women um and that's sort of when I also started just organizing in general. And it wasn't necessarily quote-unquote spiritual stuff, quote-unquote, but at the same time, I think honoring my full humanity, honoring the full humanity of especially Black women and Black femmes, it really, I think, has now propelled my spiritual work in a different space because it's inclusive. 
mm-hmm. in a way that sometimes I think <sighs> different black spiritual spaces are not inclusive of bodies and sexualities and experiences and sex workers you know if I didn't have that challenging moment at Spelman through the Women's Center I wouldn't be able to have a complete womanist black analysis of my spiritual traditions uh, and find ones that actually celebrated me for who I was and didn't shame me for who I was if that makes sense Mm mm-hmm so I um I already know like the definition and stuff, but what exactly is a womanist in um comparison to like a feminist? Right. So um womanism was termed by was Yes, yeah, in coming Alice apart Walker. in nineteen seventy nine, yeah. Yes, Alice Walker toward the term uh, womanist. I was looking at a Bell Hooks book right now, so it kinda threw me off. Um yes. But yeah, it was it's a term created by black women for black women to center the experiences of black women. So feminism, and at least mainstream feminism is very white centered. Mm-hmm. It's very cisgender centered. It's very straight white women, you know, white women don't make as much as white men. Mm-hmm. And black quote unquote black feminism or womanism says like okay but also like what about the intersectional experiences of other bodies specifically of black women mm-hmm. so yeah I try to center my work and root it in that and find spiritual traditions that understand that the blueprint um, yeah the blueprint period period on period <laughs> well shit I might be a womanist now <laughs> <laughs> Join the winning team. I uh, I've been with I, I was raised by four black women, but uh, what did I say? Sorry. Um, <laughs> honestly, Not the though, shade popping through. but this is uh, this is true though. Honestly, I I'm one of the things I've been going through. Okay, so my Saturn return ended, but you know Saturn went back into retrograde. Mm-hmm. My Saturn's in it is in Capricorn, so literally. I got out that hoe, and I was like, yes. And then it's like, all right, well, we're back. Okay. So, all right, good. Okay, cool. So, I, one of the things I have been struggling with, um, or not struggling with, but I've been thinking a lot about is, like, I feel like black women give black men too many excuses um, for mediocrity. Um, just because you went and got a haircut, um, you think you should be a superstar, but then other people are out here getting bachelors masters and phds starting businesses black women are more than the men's but then y'all think y'all deserve something because you you got a lineup i you know i am here to you know i'm here to you know i'm here to play a little rough so i do honestly I, that's how i feel you know what i mean and i I mean, a lot of gay men are very similar to, like, heterosexual black men, you know? Mm. As far as being very anti-femme. Like, I mean, I experienced, like, a lot of exclusion as, um, like, a femme-identified, like, Mm -hmm. cisgender male. Because it's like, you know, you know, a girl is built, I got some muscle, but at the same time, I, I, I don't even, I don't even identify as, like, femme. I feel like 
if there are just like an alien species that you could come up with and say that was their gender, that's what my gender would be. It wouldn't be like, mm-hmm. you're a man or you're a woman. It's more like, right. I don't even know. I'm just trying to operate in this body. Right. <laughs> like, that's all I do. It. And I'm right. excited by certain stuff and that's it. Right. And that should be how it is. And I think that's how it, it has been that way before. Mm-hmm. And so there's no reason that we can't return to a more expansive way to understand bodies and a more expansive way to understand gender and who we are and how we show up in the world. Yeah. yeah. And I think like I, for some reason, attract a lot of bisexual men. Cause mm-hmm. like, I mean, you know, it's cool. You know, I'm not about to really sit up here and watch Pornhub with you with some like, you know, straight porn or whatever. But (laughs) I do think that's like, you know, that's an important thing for us, for the black community, black queer people, you know, because it's like there's stigma against bisexual people amongst like black gay men, um, you know, um, and I guess there's kind of fetishism on the other side. But um, Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, the trade. (laughs) Right. Or like, no, I don't want a nigga that's like actually attracted to men. Um. So what do you, how do you feel about like bisexuality and the black community, um, communities? Oh, goodness. I mean, I think as black people, there's, there's still so many conversations that we need to engage in with each other about how we are showing up in our identity. I mean, I identify as bisexual now. Um, I've always went back and forth with it. I've identified as a lot of things. So like, I don't feel like we always have to be one thing either. Like, it's not linear. Right, like, and I was a lesbian mm-hmm. at one point. And I also was straight. Actually, I don't know if I was ever fully straight. But I was mostly on, on the straight side of the spectrum for a really long time. And now I've sort of landed like, no, I'm I'm bi. And, you know, for me, that means just being attracted to, um, you know, two or more genders. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so that's how I identify. And I think that it's so important for us to those of us who can be out and are comfortable being out just saying things like that because I I know that I read as a straight black woman I read that way Mm -hmm. Um, and that I can show up in that way and people will pigeonhole me in that Hmm. way and I love me some black men okay I Mm -hmm. love love down but at the same time I, I, I think it's important for me to be like okay but I also don't just love them romantically or sexually and I need y'all to know that too Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the space that I'm choosing to take up. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's conversations that need to happen. Um, I think that there's a lot of shame around sex and bodies in in the black community, of course. I think we have a lot of trauma to speak about. I think we have a lot of projections that happen to queer people and trans people from cis black people that have to do with unaddressed trauma. Mm-hmm. And so it's unfortunately going towards the wrong group. <laughs> going towards the wrong thing. Like, okay, you have this trauma. It should not be projected towards queer people or LGBTQ Because we out here in the streets for y'all's lazy asses. It needs to be projected towards. Oh, like, sorry. I'm like really pissed you. off. <laughs> or, <laughs> talk your shit. Like whoever may have harmed you, or like what the experience actually was. But like I feel like uh, there's a lot of misdirection mm-hmm. um, in our community. But there's a lot of people working towards it. There's a lot of people showing up. So I think that the work is happening. I mean, the work is happening literally with us talking right now. So of exactly. course it's, it's there. But ooh. And yeah, a lot of my stuff because like. Me growing up, honestly, I didn't have an opportunity to even think I was straight 
because people literally brought it in my face that I was so different. You know what I mean? So I do feel like, because sometimes in the black community and like I've heard relatives say this and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people who aren't in um, necessarily these spaces where, you know, like for me and my friends, we like, yeah, you're who you're gay or trans. Okay, great. Like, go go right. do you but there's still a lot of people who exist in these kinds of environments that are very, very violent and i think yeah. one pre- very predominant kind of um model of thinking especially in reaction to like um to gabrielle union and them it's like well if that's your business that's your business nobody else needs to know you need right you need to just if that's your business then that's your business and i've even had people like Whenever I was in Mississippi, try to justify stuff like, well, you know, I don't care, but like, that's your business. And it's like, why are you trying to like relegate me to like the deviant sphere under like on the in the subway with the, the Ninja Turtles? Mm-hmm. Or, you, but that's that hush hush <laughs> energy that I think we as a community do in so many different ways. I mean, it's not even just like, oh, I don't care if you get, I just don't want to see that. But it's also like, oh, this person hurt you in this way? Oh, no, they didn't. Well, just don't talk about it. Like, don't, we're not going to, I'm not going to confront Uncle so-and-so. I'm not Mm going to confront these things. Like, we have this spirit of keeping things silent, and that is something that I've witnessed is literally going to, like, that'll be the thing that, like, really, I think, brings down a Mm -hmm. lot of us because it has so much, like, and just not truth-telling. It's an intergenerational mm -hmm tongue binding yes. curse yes that's what i've been calling because it's like yeah. i don't know it keep like that is what perpetuates like you know the down low and stuff like that yep rape culture all of it. rape culture especially mm-hmm. and i mean and a lot of like gay men experience rape too yep thankfully i haven't mm-hmm. but like i have been able to tell sort of like I could feel spirit to like, cause you know, you know, I have, I have been sexually active, you know, especially when I was living in Chicago and I was, you know, kind of in my mid twenties, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, but I could feel sometimes whenever I was talking to people about like, you know, what are you into? I could feel a spirit where it was like, they are going to try to rape me. Cause it's like mm. a lot of times it's like, I'm the kind of queer person or like in queer culture, especially with more femme identified people. We're more into like oral stuff, you know, it's not like, penetrate me mm-hmm. so it's like a lot of times if you with a dude and it's like you're not trying to like get them off then they get pissed off you know what i mean and it's like well what the and then that's like a situation where a lot of people experience um like sexual assault mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so definitely that it's just like it's a weird kind of like i don't know it's the 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 curse yep Damn, that got deep. I'm like, really? My heart is beating fast. That did get deep because it's making me think about, I don't know if you've ever felt this when you've been engaging with someone like sexually or romantically, but you can almost actually feel the spirit of their sexual trauma there. What? And they may not have ever said it to you. <laughs> yes! Um, oh my God! Can, like, ooh, you have a lot of sexual trauma that I don't know if you've even thought much about, had to sit with, and that you've completely pushed away. But I see it on you. And that's also something that I've been dealing with this is a kiki but um i wanted to talk to you about this pivotal moment that i met you in whenever i was in chicago because um i mean i I did your reading in november later november 
um, around like 16th through 20th. I need to check the exact date. But I didn't realize like within the span of a year that like six or seven other people that I knew who lived in Chicago would be moving away. So I don't know. I feel like there is some kind of like collective, um, collective like realization in that. Um, mm-hmm. Especially because you were in the activist community um, with BYP, and then I, I like participated in this like um, pride parade protest where we like held up the parade for like twenty three minutes. I think that was in twenty fifteen. Okay. And um, so I feel like there's this like wave of people in Chicago who are involved in activism, but also spiritual work. And then, I don't know, I think, for me, I couldn't be there anymore, because there's just, like, there's a lot of trauma. Um, One, because I have family that moved up there with the Great Migration, and then, like, you know, Chicago's full of, like, black Mississippians. So, I was having a lot of realizations about warrior spirits, and, like, because, I mean, my grandmother, like, you know, I grew up with her, and she would just tell me stories about how people was just, just getting killed. And the cops didn't care, so it's like it's like interesting to think about how moving up to Chicago, there's still that kind of same environment, but it's perpetuated by like systemic inequality, you know? Right. So it's like they were trying to like leave for a more prosperous future, but then I'm looking at my cousins in Chicago. I'm like, shit. Let me. I'm glad I stayed in Mississippi. Mm. So I think they're very interesting. Hmm, that's an interesting realization too. Yeah, cause it's like you know, cause I mean Chicago, it's like them some hard niggas. Yeah. But then it's like it's just interesting. They come from like Mississippi, and I have an uncle. Um, he was my grandmother's brother, and he moved up to um Chicago from Mississippi in the 1930s. There's a long story between like how my grandmother and her um sister. And him got like um, separated, so like they got kidnapped. My um, grandmother's sister and brother, and then they had a really hard life. Whereas my grandmother like grew up in a two parent household, and she was a sharecropper. But it was more like it wasn't working middle class, but for that time it was like kind of all right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then just to see how the trauma played down from whenever, because they both moved up to Chicago eventually. And my grandmother told me, like, she was like, because his name was Willie. And Uncle Willie, um, he was like, going up to Chicago on the railroad was like a traumatic experience. You know, like traveling up that way. So just thinking about how many, like, that's the history of a lot of the people's ancestors that moved up there um, from the 1920s to, like, the 70s. Mm -hmm. Just a lot of just, like... Like, I feel, I, I don't know, I feel, like, calmer here in New Orleans. There's a lot of dead spirits here, like, you already know. Oh, but yeah. I feel, like, at peace with them. But in Chicago, it was just kind of, like, I didn't, I wasn't connected to the land. And then also, it was a different kind of trauma. I was, I'm not used to yeah. urban trauma, you know? I mean, right. I grew up around the KKK, but it's, like, it's different because in the South, you have the land. Whereas in Chicago, right. it was, like, I'm not used to all that concrete. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the land brings healing. I think it's really an interesting point of you talking about like how our ancestors, many of them, you know, migrated to the north for a better life, and then often 
places that they migrated to, it's, it was just a new set of issues and problems that they may not even have experienced in the same way had they remained in the South. And this is in the, you know, I think our ancestors chose what they needed to do for themselves and for their descendants and, mm-hmm. you know, chose what was best. But it's such a, like, that's so true. Like, my people came to Baltimore from the Carolinas, mostly also Virginias and um, Alabama, for a, a better life. And, you know, most people, when they hear Baltimore, they think of probably trauma or, or mm-hmm. like, pain, you know, high murder rate, abandoned homes, you know, and that's a reality. So, you know, what what actually is better? You know, what would have been better? Like, it's, it's hard to say, but, like, I, I think that's just such a good, like, I don't know. That just did something when you wait. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I girl, I did so much. And I also... I, cause I don't know if you know, but I went to University of Michigan, got my master's in sociology, and my thesis was on Chicago. It was on like the history and like the it was like on the economic um, development of the gay community and all this other kind of stuff. Um, but it was a lot about the culture of Chicago, and I'm like so cerebral, like this, my Mercury's in this twelfth house. <laughs> but um, like it's I like am always in my head and just kind of like I had so many moments where you know when you have those spiritual moments where you're like i'm everything mm-hmm. <laughs> like that happened to me so much i was like lord i gotta leave this place because it would like it would happen and then i would just dive into these like deep depressions like mm-hmm. february like i would say whenever i did your reading or whatever i was at the point i was like if i stay here for another february i'm gonna commit suicide because i just can't the february is like we're just too much mm-hmm. especially with like the the energy of Chicago and stuff like that. I was like, I, I gotta go. I can't, I can't deal with this. Yeah. Um, what was I talking about? But yeah, um, it is interesting. And but I think us moving up there, like house music was created in Chicago, and I was like a house girl. Like you could catch me at Chosen Few. Period. Every year. That's I went to all the South Side like house festivals and stuff like that. So I feel like whenever I was in Chicago, I held a lot of like ancestral um, yeah. vent, like um, anger, because I was like, oh, so y'all moved up here from Mississippi thinking y'all, because I mean, growing up, Northerners would visit and they'd be like, hi, yeah. my name is Blankety Blank. I speak really fast and I pronounce all my words. And we'd be like, you ain't shit. Yeah. And so like moving up to Chicago, I was like, because I mean, I had an all right life in Chicago and I was like, y'all moved up here for this? But then mm-hmm. I, eventually I was like, let me quit being an asshole and like really explore the culture and stuff. And I, I appreciate it as in the house music. I love house music so much. And I really appreciate just the ways that, I guess that industrial age kind of helped magnify black culture, you know? Yeah, it did. hmm Damn, I'm like fucking really emotional right now. <laughs> Aww. Um, but so what period were you in? Like whenever I like met you, I think that was in 2018. Um, what were you like going through? What was your experience like in Chicago? Oh, I definitely needed Chicago. I'll just say that. Like I needed to move there. I needed to move there along. I needed to go to grad school and then drop out a year in and then be in debt. Like, I needed, <laughs> where did you go? I, I needed all that. I went to, um, Adler. Oh yeah, university for clinical psychology for a doctoral program, and I had dropped out. Um, 
Damn, how did I dropped out of a doctoral program too? What the? <laughs> anyway, and keep going. It just when you met me, I'd actually started my podcast that I had. Yes. Um, <laughs> probably two weeks before the reading, I had just put out the first episode. I did not know that. Yep. What? Uh, yep, I started the podcast in November of 2018. I think it was on the sixth. Oh like my that. god! The week of the sixth. So that was like, I just started a little digi podcast. I didn't know what it was going to be. Um, I had recently broke up with my partner of like two years or a year. I don't even know how long we've been together. We had recently <laughs> broken up and I was just confused. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know. I mean, I was at BYP 100, you know, still organizing there. But I knew that it was going to be time for me to leave soon. And I think when you read me, it was pretty much like, yeah, girl, like everything's about to change. (laughs) Everything that you think that you know right now, yeah, you don't know nothing. And all of that is going to get snatched away and replaced. And I was like, okay. And what happened? Everything was snatched. You know, I lost. I mean, I just lost my partner. I lost my best friend. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Just everything that I was looking for and grasping for and trying to find stability in was gone. It was and definitely think, a shadow reading. Yes. I was it like, was, girl, was, give me this bottle and give me this whole pack of cigarettes. Yes. And we was drinking down and it was just like you just read me and I felt like you honestly represented this energy of like of like an issue on L.A. Gua, and for folks who don't know, it's sort of just the the spirit or the Orisha that exists between like, you know, the spirit realm and the earthly realm, you know, the one that kind of calls us to make decisions. And, mm-hmm. you know, issues like there, like, okay, you're at a crossroads, which way you gonna go? You can do this, everything can go away, you can have this life, or you can continue the life that you've been living. And you came and you had on the colors of Eshu, I remember you had on- Are you serious? Life. You had black and red on, and you came and just basically laid the cards out and read me and was like, okay, this is going to be your choice. If you go this way, it's this. If you go that way, it's that. (gasps) I wore that black and red sweater. Yeah, you had a black and red sweater on. Oh, my God. I was like, not this issue energy up in here with Ah! the (laughs) I'm coming up in you want to smoke real quick (laughs) i'm like oh let's do that and then the reading's like bitch you better (laughs) and yeah it was like you're gonna move you know you're gonna really take off like she's Mm -hmm. gonna take if you choose that you you can take off but i feel like if you hadn't done that your life was gonna be fucking hell like that's the energy that was was coming through it was like i was like girl i'm sorry but i need to say a curse word or two like (laughs) It was hell. That's the thing. Like, it was absolutely hell. And it was like, I couldn't even latch. It wouldn't allow me to latch onto anything but my own work and my spirit or you. Because, like, you came in and gave me all this information. That was my first time really connecting in person. You came to my house and read me. And then you're like, oh, yeah, and I'm about to move. So it's not even like we can be friends <laughs> here. And I was like, but you just, I can't even latch onto you, really. And, like, of course we stayed in contact and everything. But it was just like, oh, wow, I got to. I have choices today. That is, it was the wave, girl. Yep, it was. Because, I mean, I was going through my own shit. So that's just interesting because, like, I mean, you know, with spiritual work, I don't even identify myself as being like, oh, my God, I, like, gave her a reading. It's just like, I was a channel at a certain time and place. You know what I mean? 
And so, and that experience taught me, I was like, child, let me take some other precautions because I was like, shit, I'm tired. <laughs> like, and it's funny because, like, I turned the last card over and I, I like hold energy in my um sacral root chakra around that area. And this energy just like left whenever I turned the last card over. And then I didn't even feel like drunk or anything like that. I was just like, all right, um, all right, I gotta go. So, yeah, peace. <laughs> yep, yeah, that was it. Bye. And it was like a kiki because you booked a whole hour reading. Yep. <laughs> but damn, that was so funny. Read me down to the ground. And then and we met up in New years. Orleans, but you were sick at that time. Oh, yeah, when I came to New Orleans. Yep. And then that's when I recorded your episode on the podcast, which is one of the earlier episodes. Like, you were on the show at the very beginning. I know. And Maybe I feel like second that. Second interview. Yeah. So, and also, can I tell over. you, you interviewed me on the seventh episode, which is my like life path number. That's so interesting. And it's seventh interesting because, like, I mean, you know, I don't fucks with a lot of people. So people hear about me through your episode. Cause it's gotten like 7,000 plays and like, mm-hmm. it's just interesting. I was seventh episode moved here and you know, I've met a lot of amazing people through that episode. Cause they just come Aww. here or, you know, they'll be like, it's at least over 20 people. Wow. And it's like, they come here they're like, Hey, I'm in new Orleans. Like, what's up? You know, I'm a Capricorn. So when people hit me up the day of, I'm like, sorry, girl, I got 10 things planned out. You hit me up at 12. Th- girl, you already know. I, g- I tell you my sign online, right. girl. The fuck? Like, you already know how I am. But people who hit me up in a timely manner, like, we get together. You know, we go to City Park. I, like, show them some stuff. Like, you know. And then we go eat some good food. And then mm-hmm. chill out. And we do a reading. Um, and it's been really cool. I've met some, like, really amazing people um, just through that episode. And also, I think it was great because that's, like, the first time I really talked about my history with psychedelics and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, I mean, I think, so, I actually went through my own kind of initiation when I was, like, 21. I think I told you about this, maybe, on the podcast a little bit. Yeah, you did. Mm -hmm. But, um, that was, like, that was the first time I really talked about, like, psychedelics and then, like, you know, um, Pleiadians and, like, star seed ancestors um because you know a lot of the um like the dogon tribe in africa like worship like a star the Mm -hmm. the serious star which they say that's where a lot of like information comes as far as like um breakthroughs and technology and all that kind of stuff i personally have had like a lot of i did some i did dmt one time i think i told you this but Mm -hmm. um realized that i was kind of a part of like um, the Pleiadian sort of, but these are, this is like super important stuff to think about, but that episode was just really cool. Cause I met other black people who were like, Oh, well I've done this, this and this. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to talk about to you about that a little bit. Um, as far as like psychedelics and stuff, cause mm-hmm. I have recently gotten into like micro dosing. Cause in college I would be like, yeah, let's take a lot of shrooms. Yeah. But <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's travel. And I think it was important cause like the kind of psychedelic experimentation I did in college, I will never do that again. Um, yeah. It was just a lot, 
But microdosing is very manageable. And I think especially as black people and we discover that the matrix isn't really um, very safe, you know, Mm -hmm. um, we have to turn inward. Like the whole program is inside us. Right. So what do you what do you think about like shrooms and programming and stuff? So what do you think about shrooms and programming? So uh, recently, shrooms has been my medicine. Um, It has been the one that I've intentionally been engaging with probably for not long, the past few months. Um, What? Really? Yeah. Yes. I've done it before in college, but it was more like, okay, yeah, time to take some shrooms. But when you grown, it's different. But... Where I am now, I, I was microdosing a lot uh, a couple months ago. Like I was microdosing every day. I haven't been doing that so much, but I did have a really, really, really impactful shroom trip um, probably like three weeks ago. What? And it was just what I needed, and it opened up something in me that has not closed yet, um, which is good. But the shadow work that I've been needing to do was the shrooms had to unlock it three weeks ago. And it was one of the most transformative experiences that I've ever had in my life. It showed me um, all of the ways that I victimized myself when I may not have been the victim. It showed me all the ways that I was lying to myself. I mean, it was the ego death. Like, ego Dang. Gone. gone. And so I've had to, re- and I cried my eyes. You know, it was a good shroom. Of course, cry. that's a, a good, when of- you when you cry, you gotta cry. Listen, it was the ugly shroom crying, writing. It was apologizing to people. Um, it was taking accountability, and that part of me has not closed yet. So every day, I think since that trip, I've had to be accountable for something, my feelings, my insecurities, how I projected them. I've had to apologize to loved ones. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm in the process of being in like a fight with someone who I deeply love because of some shit that I projected. Like, and I have to sit with that and own that and be honest with it. So mm-hmm. I love plant medicine. I think it's necessary. And I, and I want to be a part of, I guess, a community where we can talk about this amongst black people, because I think we're black folks. It's still kind of like, Oh, you doing drugs. Like, yeah. Doing right. Drugs. Like, like she tripping out the spiritual stuff. But she's doing <laughs> and it's like, okay, we can decolonize our ideas around plant medicine we have to engage with plant medicine and, and we still engage with plant medicine it's not bad quote unquote mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to find out more about yourself period yeah p- period. on period i mean i already told you about my um experiences with um plant medicine and stuff but i think it is very important especially like so during the quarantine for instance I um I had I've been microdosing and stuff like that. I guess I've done it like five times in the past like month and a half. One time I like microdosed and watched um the whole trilogy of the Matrix. Um. So you already know. I don't know why I enjoy this, but I enjoy the high of like getting too much sensory overload. So <laughs> But I mean, I think it's important especially just like I don't know, I I was saying this last year, I felt like 2020 was going to be a lot, but I don't even really think that we're at the tipping point of like what it's really going to be like, especially for um, like black people and historically marginalized populations. And I don't like to sound like doom and gloom, but I'm kind of just trying to be like, y'all get your mind right. You know, like stop tuning into the media. If I mean, if, it, if there's a critical emergency, 
I'm going to get a text message from the state of mm-hmm. New Orleans being like, leave your house. You know what I mean? Or something like right. that. And then, but otherwise, it's like, we are living in such a like progressive technological age that there's so many different ways that we're being like um, influenced into yes. patterns of behavior, you know, yeah. that don't, yeah. they don't allow you to go within and they kind of try to make you think all the content is outside when it's like no actually all the content you need is on the inside you know yes it is <laughs> like it's lit it's lit to get what we need we really don't it's all there mm-hmm. it's all there it really is and it's so like woo woo to say that but it's really not like if you just take some time to sit with yourself even the nasty parts you're going to get some answers that you've been looking for mm-hmm. and some realizations and opportunities to change yeah, and then also it's like, I mean, because I have my altar because it's like, I think I think of altars as like spatial programming. So it's like, you're like creating a space that like when you see it, it influences like your whole vibe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I'd be going up to, I mean, I kind of just did it earlier this morning. Uh, crying at the altar. Yeah. <laughs> crying at <Yep>. the party. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's like um, that that is like a ritual and it's important, but also like the altar is in you, you know, and I I remember I like after I first moved here, I had a dream about that or whatever. And I was like, okay, I take it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is about us. And the altar is us, too. I mean, I talk a lot about ancestral work and, you know, we are the ancestors as well, like. Our ancestors mm-hmm. literally live through our bodies and through our experiences because just scientifically we are a compilation of a bunch of, you know, a lot of dead people. So, you know, taking care of yourself and going inward is also doing the ancestral work as well and the healing work for a lineage when you mm-hmm. take care of you. Um, so I guess to switch gears a little bit, I wanted to talk mm-hmm. to you about your um, cartomancy. Um, mm-hmm. what, how do you, is that how you say it? Cartomancy? Um, cardomancy cardomancy mm-hmm. practice because you know i'm a tarot girl been a tarot girl mm-hmm. for over 12 years but um you use the playing playing cards and i, I mean you know i grew up playing cards in college and you know that also you know before i went to college that was what the sinners did because it was you know <laughs> kind of taboo mm-hmm. <laughs> you know y'all over here drinking crown royal and playing spades and smoking cigarettes <laughs> that was my granddad <laughs> secular you know they got the uh the car door open to like the um the door the car or whatever Mm -hmm. i I was trying to think of like an old school cadillac right one of those like songs where they like she leaving me for stacy she don't know where i'm going (laughs) you know just country shit you know (laughs) just country shit um, but how do you like just could how or is there like a system with the playing cards as far as like doing that type of divination? Yeah, um, there is a system, I think. And I mean, you could, I guess you, one could look it up and see like, oh, okay, a king of diamonds is the same as a blah, blah, blah in tarot. And that's how I would interpret it. Um, you know, that does exist, and there are a lot of good breakdowns online for cardamancy, but I think with any sort of divinatory practice, it really is about what your spirit tells you each card means, you know? I might see a queen of diamonds that comes up for somebody, and 
and feel and see it means a certain thing. And then for somebody else, the Queen of Diamonds means something else completely. So, yes, it is about, like, the general understandings, but it's really about, like, what spirit is telling you about each card. And that's how I read, you know? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, of course, I'm like, okay, three means this general thing. Like, a one means this general thing. But what does it mean against these other cards? What are the questions? What is it saying about this person? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it's more intuitive, a more intuitive reading of those cards. That makes total sense. Yeah, because, I mean, I've been staring at these cards, you know. I, re- I remember seeing you on Instagram. You, like, put your cards up, and they're, like, brown. I'm like, my cards are, too, and it's like... But I always see new stuff in the cards. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that is important, um, especially in this age where there's kind of an oversaturation of um, information that, yeah. like, you need to just trust your intuition. Like, yes. And then, I mean... I am a theory head. I love some like, you know, give me a theoretical model for what the tarot mean. I love all the occult theory and all that kind of stuff. But at the base of it, it's like you are interpreting. It's like your mind's interaction with that template is like kind of between that interaction. You somehow channel spirit and say the message. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I think that's so cool. I love it. Yes. Um, Well, one of the last topics I wanted to kind of talk to you about is sex magic. And um, because specifically, I I have had readings with clients where I feel like I'm, I'm not really one to give advice about it, but I'm like, something's up with your yoni. You know what I mean? Like, you need to be having like, I don't know if it's better orgasms for personal power you know mm-hmm. or or orgasms that aren't connected to a person uh, or like you know i feel like it's yeah. like i almost i can feel that they're giving their yoni away too much yes <laughs> so, yeah no, no no that's that's real yeah um, and i don't have a vagina and so it's yeah. like interesting for me because then i'm like girl you need to go see another reader <laughs> who can really get into what's going on yeah what do you what is your what do you think about that i know you have an episode that's called orgasms as portals um what's your relationship with the sexuality and stuff like that um well like i said before i was raised catholic and i think one of the most detrimental things for me in my experience with catholicism was all the sexual shame and sexual trauma that. Um, was placed onto my body (laughs) without Mm -hmm. my consent um, as a Catholic. So, you know, hearing things like, obviously, sex is bad, obviously, you wait until marriage, but also, like, and if you don't, you're going to hell. You know, that being very explicit, or if you masturbate, you're going to hell. Oh! And and just hearing that over and over and over again has been something that I'm still trying to take, like a narrative that I'm still trying to break in my head. same girl same sis and i'm grown same i i still be like oh i can't there's still something sometimes that feels nasty or like you're being watched or like you're being watched (laughs) like Like they know i'm doing this (laughs) yeah you just feel like you're sinning even the ancestors i'll be like let me not do this in front of my altar I don't do that. No, I was just like, even being, you know, whatever. Even like, so, you know, whatever. Uh, sorry. <laughs> but no, it feels, it can feel like, or just, it just feels, it's just this, this shame. Yeah. 
So <laughs> it's been working through the shame. And so that's why I love sex magic so much because it's just an opportunity. It's literally reprogramming, mm-hmm. really, of, of understanding like my own power, understanding the power that my body has, understanding the power that orgasm has, understanding that I can like create a reality through the energy of sex, whether that's sex with somebody else or sex with myself. Like mm-hmm. there's there's an intentional like we can just do things with intention, including fuck, to be able to like get what we want out of Mm-hmm. situations and i think that people use sex to get what they want out of time all the time and it might not necessarily be seen as quote-unquote sex magic but people use sex to get what they, <laughs> what they mm-hmm. um i feel like yeah, it's kind of more an like an unconscious um yeah. thing whenever people are doing it yeah yep. Yep. or like you know whenever like people haven't said i feel like a lot of i don't know people having sex with people it's like they it's yeah they manifest a lot of stuff but sometimes aren't really aware of why it's being manifested right or it or manifesting things that they actually don't want (laughs) exactly it's coming along with whoever you're having sex with or what you're thinking about and i feel like women especially don't understand sometimes like how powerful the it is you know what i mean i think a lot of (laughs) yeah i mean at all i mean but, but where will we learn that like, who is telling us, like, oh, yeah, you know, that nut is powerful, girl. Go ahead and do it. You know, no one's saying that. Mm-hmm. That's not conversations. I mean, there's people doing powerful work. You've had LaVon P on here um, who does a lot of work around that. Yes. And I'm trying to do work around it, too. Check so her I mean, out on the previous like, episodes. Yes. Um, so it's, it's really about trying to just decolonize my own shame around sex. And it's worked at the end of the day. Like, I've gotten what I've wanted from doing sex magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so do you... So I know there's like sigil magic. That's like the kind that I basically do. Like, girl, before I left Chicago, I was drawing up all the sigils, and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I need money right now. What kind of symbol can this form? (laughs) But I think it's like I feel sigils. That is one of like the the kind of like occult one oh one theory things. And I think like on Instagram, you know, people are like spells and da, 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 da. but I like really like to think about like the metaphysics behind it, you know, like because it's literally like you create a sentence and then like or an intention and like the orgasm, you're already altering your consciousness to a point where it like kind of like internalizes it. Yeah. Be on levels beyond like your physical body, you know. Right. So it's and like if you're trying to have an orgasm for money, it's gonna work because the orgasm's a portal that connects you to something yeah. more than what your physical body is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. it, this is some shit that reverberates through like astral levels and stuff. Right, because essentially, it's like when you are in a moment of orgasm that's probably one of the only moments in our lives where we have very little inhibition. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing that can really, when you're orgasm, when you orgasm, like that's just a peak state of like ecstasy of like a portal, just being open of just the possibilities being endless. And every other moment in life where I was like, Oh, I can't do that. Oh, who's going to think this? But when you kind of, when you're coming, you <laughs> you're like, yeah. So why not? just intentionally put something in that moment that you can like celebrate or be happy for or want to manifest when your inhibitions are just 
Because a lot of it is lusting for like, I don't like to say the wrong thing, but I mean, even alluding back to earlier in the episode, it's like lusting for things that kind of trigger your own internal trauma. That's like a lot of what our relationship with sex is. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. with the gay community, wanting the the masculine man being the prototype, but actually Mm -hmm. he's like the person who probably raped a few people in the family and says a lot of homophobic shit and doesn't like women. Right. Or, you know, is a hateful asshole. So that comes through, you know, in these sexual archetypes. Yep. It sure does. So it's like, you got to watch out who you having sex with. It's not just like, you know, digmatized. It's a real thing. It is. But it's like, I think we need to put a little spin on it and let people know, you know, sometimes you just ain't ready. Right. (laughs) And that's okay. It's okay. (laughs) For me, I mean, I don't, I I just, yeah, I don't know. I have definitely, yeah, have situations where I know people have, have made me act a certain way and then I'm like why did you do that mm-hmm. but it's the physical yep mm. yep gotta be mindful <laughs> gotta be mindful honey oh my god so what what's in the future for you what are you like um working on right now oh goodness I, I feel like this question keeps coming up from myself really I, like, I don't know <laughs> what the hell I might need a reading honey I might need another reading from you because I don't know (laughs) I think like I said before you know I'm just focusing a lot on like how to create spaces that people can access more information about you know African traditional religions and hoodoo in, in a way that is safe and that is not putting out like you know the secrets the very real secrets of these traditions Mm-hmm. Um, but like making it more, yeah, and just accessible and, and just having candid conversations about the work from other people who I respect who are doing the work. So, well, this that, is, oh, what? I, I was just going to say, I think that's just going to continue, um, hopefully in different mediums, you know, beyond the podcast and, you know, trying to get my YouTube up and just, just, you know, we can do some, some things like that, you know. I, this that's is a little, an impromptu sort of kind of reading, but I definitely, the planets, you know, it's like Uranus and Taurus. Like, you okay. need to focus on the technology. Focus on, like, creating an archive that's going to be mm-hmm. around for, like, you think, like, you know, 20, 2356, people are going to know about it's Gigi Bang. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, understanding how to, like, spread the message, but also archive it right. is important. Right, right. Yeah. Thanks. Yes. I received that. I've received that. So yeah, confirmation. You got to keep up the media stuff though. I know. Especially because there's there's gonna be a million readers. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I be just posting people on my Instagram like, go get a reading from this person. Go get a reading from this person because there's a lot of people, and I think also this is it's like, I do honestly feel like. Like, there's different kinds of psychic abilities, and I think certain people do have certain abilities, but I think there's more people with those abilities than we, than people are aware of right now. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone isn't a muggle. Right. So, and right. I think there's more people, I think there's more non-muggles than we realize. I think all of us, a lot of us have certain 
gifts that just have been unrealized or just not tapped into. I think majority of us do, actually. Mm-hmm. And it just takes the time to, like we were talking about before, going inward to discover it. I mean, a lot of people in readings will ask, like, oh, what's my gift? And it's like, your gift can be whatever you want it to be. Like, you just got to sit with it. You have to study it. Like, whatever, what do you think your gift is? Mm-hmm. Work with it. Like, it's not, I'm not a special, I mean, not that I'm not special. We're all special in our own ways, but I'm not any more special than somebody that I'm reading or necessarily more gifted. I just study, you know, mm-hmm. I just take time and we can all do that. Like, we're really not all muggles. A lot of us, I think, I think there's less muggles than there are, that than we think. Exactly. Especially people listening to this podcast. I feel like if you even click this podcast, you probably qualify as you probably are not a, a, you're a Mm -hmm. (laughs) non-muggle. Well, I love that. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so happy to be on your show and you being one of my first guests, like. It's just a whole vibe. Oh look at the look at the universe. Full circle in the global pandemic. Right, okay? Oh my god. Okay, well thank you so much. Oh my god, what an amazing episode. Um thank you so much for listening. If you don't already follow Juju Bay, um go follow her on IG at um a little juju podcast that's a l i t t l e j u j u p o d c a s t she also has a patreon with some amazing content up um go listen to episode seven my episode with her Uh, i think she has over 40 episodes out now so go check her out and then if you haven't already go follow me on instagram at millennialsoulfood.com or millennialsoulfood <laughs> at M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L-S-O-U-L-F-O-O-D. And then also, like I mentioned earlier, if you're interested in writing to the advice column, um, hashtag Capricorn Advice, go to my Instagram or go to my website and write in. Let's get the let's let's get this going. Let's let's go. Let's get it going, baby. Okay, so that's all for me i am wishing you the best um go out there don't let satan defeat you today hallelujah all right love y'all bye